0: Hey, welcome to the Bible Savvy Podcast, a weekly conversation on how to understand, enjoy, and apply God's Word. I'm your host, Nikki Lucas, and I'm joined by Executive Pastor Eric Ferris and Teaching Pastor Clayton Keenan. We're about to jump into another passage from the Bible Savvy reading schedule, but guys, I gotta know. Here's a question for you. If you've been given a live elephant for your birthday, what would you do with it? I know, completely random, but I gotta know
1: what would you do with a live elephant?
0: You're given a live elephant for your birthday. What would you do with it?
1: Um, I, I don't know. So, um, I would start by just looking at it. So I like, honestly, I, there, there are no elephants within like, like a few hundred miles of us. And so I actually, we actually drove to Kentucky to find an elephant, my family and I, and it is actually really amazing to see something that big, just doing anything. So I, I would, I would, look at it for a little while. But um the thing that comes to mind, I know this is ridiculous and and Ferris is going to roll his eyes at this. But there is a scene in Lord of the Rings. Oh gosh. Where where Sam sees the oliphants, right? Like and he's like amazed at it. And I like that's what I want to like recreate the procession of these these whatever with my with my live elephant.
2: Mm-hmm. Oliphants?
1: Yeah, that's how they say it in the in the in the movie. It's it's a misspelled word elephant.
2: Geek. Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> what did you just say?
0: <laughs> I just called him a geek.
2: <laughs> Remember when we talked about, like we were ranked 38th on the list of like podcasts where the Bible is the topic? Yeah. If we keep doing stuff like this.
0: You got to have fun. People need to have a little bit of fun in their life, you know?
2: What would you do with a live elephant is yeah. about four levels dumber than time ambiguous banter. <laughs>
0: No, and it's about, not. Not once you hear my and answer. About, oh, okay. And
2: about eight levels dumber than anything I do on my sound effects panel. <laughs> really? <All right. laughs>
1: anything you I do would, on your sound effects panel. <laughs> okay, I'll
2: answer your question. What would I do with a live elephant? I would put it in someone else's front yard. You just, you just, okay. just make it someone else's problem. Because <laughs> I think it would be really fun to watch someone come out of their front door and there's an elephant in their yard.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: So that's what I do.
0: Oh, Caitlin, our producer wants to know, whose yard? I don't know. Jim. It could be That's Pastor best, Jim, best, Jim. <laughs> That'd be
2: fun. Uh, someone, oh, Pastor Jim has a ring doorbell, so I would want it to be somebody that it doesn't wouldn't be able to see the elephant see. on their phone before they come outside. Mm-hmm. I just think it would be fun to see someone come outside in the morning, <laughs> well, and there's an elephant in their yard. Yes, Pastor That's what Jim I doesn't do have to worry about that. One. So then. I, being selfless and generous, would give my elephant away. Mm. Mm.
0: Okay, I got, I got one. I, I feel nippy.
2: so morally superior right now.
0: Do you know that elephants can paint pictures?
2: Have all, you seen All this? elephants? Like well, they have this inherent taught, artistic ability? If
0: they are taught.
2: Did you ask us this question? Because yes. you just wanted to share this bit of it's elephant amazing. trivia. <laughs>
0: okay, okay. Because we
2: could have just done a segment called And Now It's Time <laughs> for Elephant Trivia with Nikki. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing Nikki
1: knows. <laughs>
0: if, you, if you Google like an elephant painting, it's incredible. They Don't do it right now. They can teach people. They, people can teach elephants how to paint pictures. And so if I ha- got one for my birthday, I would have an elephant paint me a picture and then... I would give that painting away to somebody else. What do you think about that, Eric? Everybody go Google elephants elephant painting, painting pictures. You know what I'm painting? It's amazing. It's you know the cutest what I'm thinking right thing now. ever. What?
2: I am scrolling through the sound effects panel, which has an entire category of animal noises, Isn't and I an am elephant? baffled and astonished that elephant is not in the sound
1: effect. Oh my panel. gosh. Wait,
0: wait, wait, wait. We Didn't
1: need- we do this one? Can't you
0: guys one of you can make an <laughs> elephant noise, can't no, you? We've uh, tried
1: to do, we've tried to do this before and yes. I I like I get stage fright, and I can't no, do that. No, you d-
0: you can do it. Ah! There it there is. There you
1: go. There you go. There we have descended to we the We have
0: ditch. come to so circle. <laughs> All
2: right. we right. talk about the who's, Bible.
0: Yes, who is the, the common guy? Clayton. I'm the, I'm the, the, the common
2: guy. guy. Yeah. like in Dante's levels of hell. <laughs> oh, this, is one of, this is one of them. If, this if you, is you want, it. the sixth level of hell is having to listen to this you quality of out. podcast over and over and look, over. Look, not only out. are
0: we going to fill people's day place. with joy right now by reading the Bible, but when they go later on, they get done listening to this, they will Google or go on YouTube and look at.
1: They'll be getting excited. Spending, be it's going to
0: bring so much joy to their life. Okay. Go ahead, Eric. Or, I mean, go right. ahead, well, hold, on, right. but hold on, hold oh. on. Before Clayton sets this up as comma guy. What?
2: I have a request for our listeners.
0: Oh, oh, okay.
2: We would like to hear from you on this question. What would you do with a live elephant? Yes. Mm. Email us at?
0: Podcast at BibleSavvy.com.
2: That's right. Right now, hit the pause button. Yeah. Email us at podcast at BibleSavvy.com and tell us what you would do with a live elephant and we will talk about that in a future episode. There we go.
1: All right, let's do it. Um. So, we are in 2 Samuel, mm-hmm. uh, 2 Samuel chapter 18, and uh, this is kind of the culmination of a long series of stories. So, let me give the the flyby of that series of stories. So, if you listen to the last episode, you know that we talked about David and Bathsheba and David being confronted for his sin about that. And when David was confronted for his sin, one of the things that Nathan the prophet said is, like, this is going to lead... To conflict within your home, like you are you are going to have uh, out of your own home a whole lot of trouble that's going to come, and it's going to be a mess and and that comes true. so I will spare you the gory details uh, if you've been reading along uh, you you'll pick it all up, but essentially, um, David's sin leads to family dysfunction that starts off within his home and there's there's abuse and there's all sorts of things that go on there that end up with family division, which ends up where he has one of his sons guy named Absalom, who uh, gets exiled away from David. So he's kind of embittered against David. He's sent away uh, and he is stirring up essentially a rebellion to take the throne from King David. And so eventually they go to war. There is a civil war and David is removed from Jerusalem. He gets exiled out of Jerusalem. Absalom takes the city and uh, now they've got to fight their way back in. And so David has uh, somewhat reluctantly sent an army to go fight this war, but he has warned everybody. Don't, don't kill my son. Don't kill my son. He doesn't want Absalom to die. Uh, but you can understand that that's, that kind of is a little bit ambiguous for the army. They don't know what to do. Uh, Cause how does a war end? If you don't take out the guy who's leading the enemy. Um, and so, What ends up happening is Absalom gets stuck in a tricky situation. He has very long hair. He gets caught in a tree. Uh, His hair gets caught in a tree. He's tangled up there. And so the leader of David's army, Joab, finds him there and says, well, this is, you can't pass this up, right? Like, it doesn't matter what David said. I'm taking him out. So he kills kills Absalom. Now the army is excited. The war is over. And they say, we've got to go tell the king about this. And so this is the story of what happens when the messengers show up to David. So, uh, Eric, why don't you pick it up? Uh, starting in chapter 18, verse
2: 19. All right, man, if I had a dollar for every time my hair got stuck in a tree. (laughs) All right, here we go. Starting in verse 19. Now Ahamaz, son of Zadok said, let me run and take the news to the king that the Lord has vindicated him by delivering him from the hand of his enemies. You're not the one to take the news today, Joab told him. You may take the news another time, but you must not do so today because the king's son is dead. Then Joab said to a Cushite, go, tell the king what you have seen. The Cushite bowed down before Joab and ran off. Ahamaz, son of Zadok, said again to Joab, come, come what may, please let me run behind the Cushite. But Joab replied, my son, why do you want to go? You don't have any news that will bring you a reward. And he said, come what may, I want to run. So Joab said, run. Run. Then Ahamaz ran by the way of the plain and outran the Cushite. While David was sitting between the inner and outer gates, the watchman went up to the roof of the gateway by the wall. As he looked out, he saw a man running alone. The watchman called out to the king and reported it. The king said, if he's alone, he must have good news. And the runner came closer and closer. Then the watchman saw another runner and he called down to the gatekeeper, look, another man running alone. The king said, he must be bringing good news too. The watchman said, it seems to me that the first one runs like Ahamaz, son of Zadok. He's a good man, the king said, he comes with good news. Then Ahamaz called out to the king, all is well. He bowed down before the king with his face to the ground and said, praise be to the Lord, your God. He has delivered up those who lifted their hands against my Lord, the king. And the king asked, is the young man Absalom safe? Ahamaz answered, I saw great confusion just as Joab was about to send the king's servant and me, your servant, but I don't know what it was. And the king said, stand aside and wait here. So he stepped aside and stood there. Then the Cushite man arrived and said, my lord, the king, hear the good news. The Lord has vindicated you today by delivering you from the hand of all those who rose up against you. And the king asked the Cushite, is the young man Absalom safe? And the Cushite replied, May the enemies of my lord, the king, and all those who rise up to harm you be like that young man. The king was shaken. He went up to the room over the gateway and wept. As he went, he said, Oh, my son, Absalom, my son, Absalom, if I had, if only I had died instead of you. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son. Joab was told the king is weeping and mourning for Absalom. And for the whole army, the victory that day was turned into mourning, because on that day the troops heard it said, the king is grieving for his son. The men stole into the city that day, as men steal in who are ashamed when they flee from battle. The king covered his face and cried aloud, "O my son Absalom, O Absalom, my son, my son. Then Joab went into the house, then Joab went into the house to the king and said, today, You have humiliated all your men who have just saved your life and the lives of your sons and daughters and the lives of your wives and concubines. You love those who hate you and hate those who love you. You've made it clear today that the commanders and their men mean nothing to you. I see that you would be pleased if Absalom were alive today and all of us were dead. Now go out and encourage your men. I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth until now. So the king got up and took his seat in the gateway. And when the men were told, the king is sitting in the gateway, they all came before him. Meanwhile, the Israelites had fled to their homes.
1: All right. Well, let's, uh, let's go through the common method here. And we'll start with O, which stands for observation. So let's, let's talk about the things that you see here.
0: There's a lot in this story.
1: There is. Um,
0: Ahamaz, I'm going to call him Mazi for short. (laughs) Um, So this is a really interesting part. Like, I couldn't quite understand what was going on here. Like, so he knows Absalom is dead, but he won't say it. Like, he kind of skirts around the truth instead instead of kind of, it just kind of leaves it there for the other guy to say. Um, And I was kind of like, oh, well, maybe he, like, didn't want to be the guy to deliver the bad news. He just wanted to be known by the king of, like, the person who delivered the good news but then I was also confused that like a Cushite is a foreigner right like he yep. didn't belong to David's people so why did they send him was it more like oh if the king gets mad maybe like he'll take it out on this guy and it's a, like you know what I mean
1: I, I, that's, that's what I, I, I suspect yeah um, okay because I think about there's another story where messengers come to David about an enemy de- being defeated like when Saul dies and uh, it's kind of parallel to this because uh, a guy who's not an Israelite goes to King David thinking, "I'm going to give you good news. You just won the you know the king's de- the, the old king's deposed. You're going to be king." And David, and in some ways, in a good way, uh, reacts to the death of the king in a way that says, "This isn't great news." Even th- it's weird. It's a very right. weird story. But he ends up killing the guy uh, for saying, "Oh, you think you're going to gloat that you you know you he and and the messenger." acted like he had you know done the king in Hmm. and so he's like you're gonna gloat about that and so this is like another version of that later in his life and i think the guys know like oh wait if he hears something he doesn't like this couldn't this might not go well i like joab clearly knows that when he's like "Eh, don't go you don't Ah want to go there yeah you don't (laughs) want to go there mazi yeah yeah not that he should have you know sacrificed the Kushite there but you know right what else you see I see a
2: no win situation. Mm. Yeah. You're gonna go and tell David, hey, good news you won the battle. Bad news you won it because we killed your son. Yeah. That first of all, why would anyone volunteer to want to be that messenger? Right. Unless you're going to intentionally withhold the information. Um so it's a it's it's a no win.
1: Yeah. I I also see in here though the the between there's a no win situation you know he wants to deliver the news because winning a civil war is good news like yeah. in in any other context you'd say this is a day of celebration and so um you know that that word good news is actually repeated a bunch of different times and and the the feeling of like this should have been a day of celebration but david's own family drama is what's making it so that it's it's not you know that 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 this isn't actually completely good news what else do we see here?
0: I saw that like despite it it's I mean it's clear like despite Absalom's rebellion David still loved his son, which is it's representative in his grieving, his openly grieving and wailing over his son's death, no matter no matter what he's tried to do to rise up against David. He still loves his kid.
1: Yeah. Yeah, there's a there's there's a lot of feeling in that. Oh, Absalom, my son, my son, Absalom! Like there's there's a lot of expressiveness in that. He's that he's really really hurting.
0: Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, another observation I have is the spot that David is in. Like when Joab is telling him, if you keep mourning the loss of your son, you're going to lose your whole army because they're going to think you're against them. That is a that's an impossible situation too. I mean, coming to David and delivering the message, hey, good news, you won the, you won the battle, but you lost your son. That seems like a no-win. And David seems like he's in a no-win, which is, well, I can't mourn my son because my soldiers are going to feel like I'm not for them or grateful for what they did. So it's a no-win
1: and then a no-win. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, a re-
0: it's a really hard story.
1: It is. It is. Uh, I, I look at Joab and he in some ways was in a no-win. We didn't read this part. I just kind of summarized it, but he's got Absalom and he can easily take him out. And he's got to decide, well, the king said, don't touch him. But if I don't touch him, then this war just keeps going and going and going. And so, um, and then when, when Joab has to go confront the king about that, I mean, I I don't know, you know, how, you know Joab and David's relationship was but this is not normally the way you you talk to a king you know what i mean where it's like mm-hmm. like you better you better put on your big boy pants and go out there you know like it, it's a it's definitely a uh you know give a piece of my mind kind of talk here um but what's Joab going to do cuz he's got to lead this army and they're, they're they're it says they they snuck in as if they had lost the battle you know what i mean and they're going to they're going to be gone and so Joab's thinking i I won't be able to do my job. I won't be able to defend the country. I won't be able to whatever if this is what happens. And so it is it is a total mess. Like there's nothing easy about this.
2: Yeah, it seems like Joab is trying to manage his position in all of this cuz he has a pretty strong position in in terms of his rank in in David's world. Uh, but even even in sending the messengers, jo- Joab is somehow trying to, manipulate is probably too strong of a word, but he, he's trying to uh, navigate. He's yeah. trying to navigate the scenario in a way that he can both have favor with the king and favor with the soldiers. Mm-hmm. And because even in the whole, like you were asking the question, Nikki, about what, what's the big deal about who goes yeah. and sends the message? Well, these are some of the things that you pick up in uh, study Bible footnotes Uh, and it's a bit more contexty, but it is, so I'm kind of moving backwards in the common method here for a second, but there's like different kinds of messengers back then, just like there's different ranks in the military. And so depending on what news you're delivering, you're going to send a different messenger. And so if Joab sends this first guy, who would be the guy that delivers great news? Like if you see that guy coming, it's the, we won the victory, I have great news. If he sends the great news guy, Joab is probably afraid that David is going to think that Joab thinks this is all great, but Absalom's dead. So Joab, I can't send the great news guy because it's not all great news. So Joab is trying to navigate this whole situation, which I'm going to keep going. This may be the thing I say the entire episode is Joab's kind of in a no-win
1: situation (laughs) too. This whole thing is a no-win mess. So the uh, the talk about Joab reminds me of something. So um, the thing that started this whole mess, the Bathsheba thing, your your Joab was in that story, so when when David says kill Uriah, put him out on the front line so he dies, he was telling Joab, and Joab had to send a messenger back to David, who like David got upset. Oh, well you you did a bad job in the battle; you lost a battle, and you know Joab's done this manipulating, managing the the situation, keeping the secrets, cleaning up the the mess kind of thing before for David, and so he, he's he might be a little bit of the like pragmatic, I get the job done kind of guy. He's the cleaner. He's the cleaner, Mm -hmm. yeah. And so, it's it's icky.
0: (laughs) I feel like he alludes to that too, like in, was it uh, chapter 19, verse 7, he says, uh, he said, I swear by the Lord that if you don't go out, not a man will be left with you by nightfall. This will be worse for you than all the calamities that have come on you from your youth till now. Almost saying like, you've done a lot of wrong. This is going to be worse than anything you ever did.
1: Yeah. Like we've been together through a lot of messy stuff.
0: You messed this, this one is, up. There ain't no coming back from yeah. it.
1: I can't fix this one.
0: Yeah. Hmm. You know, the other thing that I saw too, um, it, and this was this is a, a weird thing. It seems like David does not know that Joab did, did the killing.
1: No. He, I, yeah. It doesn't it hasn't come out.
0: And, and does he find? I can't remember. Does he find I out? I don't remember. I, and so I'm kind of wondering, like. Again, it's that, like, you know, kind of, like, in a no-win situation, but, like, it's almost, like, does, does, when Job goes in there and he goes, like, if you don't do, it's, like, I'm, like, is he battling guilt, battling anger, frustration, like, or is he, like, legit concerned about David losing all of his men, like, What's what's the motivation with coming in there and doing that? And maybe there's just no real good answer to it because it's it's like this no win situation.
2: Well, if David's military abandons him, Joab doesn't have a job either. Like that whole yeah. the whole thing falls apart. Yeah. So it's he's he's now nav- maybe a little bit of both. Yeah. But yeah. I, I I don't I when I read this I don't think that Joab is like the person that's. So concerned for the well-being of the king, right? That he wants to make sure that the message is delivered
1: in just the perfect way. He's not Nathan from last week, right? Like the the prophet comes in with a great parable and like the the pointed thing. He's just like trying to not have this fall apart.
0: Yeah, because some people could think, oh, well, this is just like the guy Nathan. Like he's just coming in and calling David out and trying to kind of
1: help him figure. I don't know. I think it's messier than that.
0: It's messier than that. Yeah.
1: Okay, so here's let me let's let's step back. So I I find this story interesting from like just the human perspective. Like if this was a movie with all these complex characters, I would be eating it up.
0: These right? are the days of
1: our yeah, lives. yeah. There's a, yes, it's a little soap opera. You, you guys go back to days of our lives. Yeah,
0: it's just a, it's just the worst. And, this one is more like you know? a
2: political action film.
1: <laughs> yes, oh, it is. It's got the cleaner. <laughs> it's got it's got the. <laughs> it is either a mob or a or a political thing. Like it's a that's that's definitely it. But okay, so so we've got this, and like from a you know, complex characters and emotion and, and the dynamics of human, you know, messiness. It's interesting. But we read the Bible to like learn something about God, to be instructed in how to live, to apply something to our life, to be, you know, what do we do when we come across these kinds of stories? And I actually think there are more of these than we think. We Sometimes we flatten stories out and miss all of this nuance, um, but it come, it's hard to miss here. So what do you do with a story where you're like, I don't see a great example. I don't see you know, a clear cut, like this is the thing you're supposed to get. It's just, just kind of messy. What do you do?
2: I just close my Bible and then I pick it up the next day and read and don't think
1: at all about it. <laughs> <laughs> it's wah, a li- I hope everybody a, heard the sarcasm mm-hmm. in that. It's a little sarcastic. Some of us do that.
0: But yeah.
1: But sometimes there, there are times where you say, I was confused by that story. But I'm just not going to give up on reading the Bible. Like, yeah. if that's all you get, is like I didn't stop reading the Bible. Mm-hmm. That's better than saying I don't get this. I'm done. Yeah. But if you do want to get something out of it, what do you do?
0: I think we, I think we look at. We we have to kind of get to the underlying uh, truth that's trying to be communicated to it. It might be hard to see through all those details. Um, but I don't know, she's like last week when we were trying to tell people about you know look for truths about God, like uh, there has to be something in each one of these stories that tells us something about, about God's character or something that if not, there would be like, there would be no reason for it being there. So to me, I, I try to look for that and sometimes it's hard, but that's, that's my, that's, that's my go-to.
2: It's a good question, Clayton, because I think sometimes if you're, even if you're using something as simple as the comma method, you're saying, I'm going to read it. I'm gonna read it in context. I'm gonna read it well, which is observations. I'm gonna to try to draw something out each day when I read. It's a very good thing to do, but sometimes it can feel forced or artificial. Because you're saying, well, I need to come up with a message from this text and I need to apply it to my life. And on some days of your reading, it's not quite as naturally done as others. And so, like when I'm when I'm reading this, I'm reminded to what you what you referred back to, which is when God told David what was going to happen because of his sin. And so we're, we're seeing the outworking of that. And for me, it just reminds me that God is the God of not only the Bible, but of all human history. Like the, the God that created us and created the world is interacting with humanity. And we are learning in the pages of the Bible, how God interacts with people and and he's revealing his character and who he is to us, and so I'm continuing to see a God who has a plan, who there is an ongoing story, and He is continuing to interact, and what He says always comes to pass. And so sometimes it's it's as as simple as that, and it's not a very pointed like. And therefore, what I'm going to do today is go eat some cornflakes.
1: Yeah, you know, like it's, it's not that specific. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I think I think you you've both touched on things that I find really helpful too. Like Nikki, what you said, sometimes you step back and you say, "What does this tell us about God?" You know that that even if it's if it's messy, there's still something that this was supposed. This, God's this is God's story, the big God story, right? And even what you said, like sometimes you go back and look at the, where it's connected to the the, the 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 flow of things. If you kind of narrow in and say, "I have to figure out just this one episode," you might not actually get this one episode. You got to get it in the the whole sequence of things. So that that's really helpful. One of the things that I find helpful with this is, I I always remember, you've probably heard me say this a bunch of times, if you've been around Christ Community or the podcast, none of the guys are good guys. Like, they're all bad guys, right? Like, so when you're looking at someone, you're not always saying, should I be like Joab? (laughs) Should I be like David? Should I be like, who should should I be like, you know, Mozzie, whatever this guy, you know, like, you're not always seeing like, this is the person I'm supposed to imitate. But sometimes the mess, like the thing you're like, no one's quite got this figured out, they're not doing it right. It seems like they're really screwed up is actually like the like counter thing. Like you look at it and you say, how did they end up in this place? Like, what is it that went wrong? Like, where's it? And you almost see the contrast of this isn't the way it's supposed to be. You almost get a a kind of a negative picture of the way things might be right or the, or the, the sorts of things that might go wrong if you follow those paths. And so sometimes you're not getting a like distinctive, this is the thing, but you sort of get a sense of, Oh, these are the consequences of this kind of thing. So, given all of that, if we were going to try and say, all right, we're still doing comma, you know, we always try to, like, come in, is there something like a message that we can get out of the, this story, if we go to the, the M in comma?
0: Yeah, you know, I my message came out of um, just trying to look at what, what is the underlying truth about God in this story, and... Um, what I saw was a picture of God's love for us and um, that when, just like when David's son rebelled against him, David still had that deep love for him. And so I, I just saw this picture of God's love for us and that when we rebelled or still continue to um, against him and we sin against him, he is grieved by it, you know, and because of his great love for us, he, he had to provide a sacrifice through his son, Jesus, that also grieved him. He didn't want to see his, his son go through that, but he did out of his, out of his love for us. And so to me, it's um, just a reminder of the gospel of, of God's love for us.
2: I think a message we can draw from this text is that sometimes sin puts you in a position, disobedience to God or sin, whatever you want to call it, puts you in a position where you're not left with many good choices as we talked multiple times about the no-win scenarios, sometimes our disobedience to the Lord, our sin, puts us in a position where we have a bad choice and maybe a less bad choice, but we don't have a lot of good choices. It puts us in a corner. And, And when people ask the question, well, if God's always gonna forgive me, shouldn't I just like keep on sinning? And like, is, haven't I found like the cosmic loophole? If he, ha- if he has to forgive me when I ask, then I'll just do whatever I wanna do and then I'm forgiven, right? So I can get to heaven. Well, there's more to that story. And just like we talked about in a, in a previous episode and Pastor Jim preached a few weeks ago, just because God forgives you and cleanses you from your sin does not mean that all of the consequences of our behavior is eradicated, and so my, my, what I'm seeing here, the message I'm pulling out is uh, disobedience or sin often leaves you with only bad choices.
1: Yeah, I probably would go in a similar direction and, um, it, and say that sometimes when you are, fa- it's almost the, the reverse side of things. Like when you find yourself in a situation where there are, there are only bad choices, it's not always this way, but sometimes you gotta say, did I put myself in this situation? Like, did I did I walk down a road where I got to here? Because um, I think sometimes our instinct is to uh, point the finger at other things. And in this situation, if, if you're gonna say, David, why are you stuck in this no-win scenario? Like the honest thing for David is, this is the path that I went down. Like I, I really screwed up. I screwed up it with this big sin. Then I didn't raise my kids in a way that overcame that. Like I kind of let it perpetuate and I didn't handle this, you know, Absalom rebellion well. And like every step along the way was kind of him getting deeper into the hole. And so it's not always the case. Some, when, you're, when you're looking at that in your own life, sometimes there are circumstances that are outside of your control. But sometimes you got to admit like, actually, I made this mess. And it, that sort of seems like a hopeless place to be. But in some places, it's, it's like the first step towards something better because it's honest and saying, you know what? I don't really know how to get out of this, but I, I kinda know how I got in it. And let's at least start with acknowledging that.
2: Yeah, David, the same guy who wrote many of the Psalms, who in one of the Psalms says, he brought me into a spacious place. Yeah. He rescued me because he delighted in me, right? It's, the, it's the, the hand of God bringing freedom into our lives and putting us in a spacious place. Disobedience and sin, the, a lot of us think that disobedience and sin is like us doing whatever we want, And because we're doing whatever we want, we're free. No, 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 no. That's not the definition of freedom. True freedom actually comes from what feels restrictive at the front end, which is when you talked about obeying the Lord, doing what is right, having a humble heart before God, repenting of your sin. Those things feel restrictive, but actually those are the very things that put you in a spacious place.
1: All right, we are gonna go to the second M in comma, which is meditation. And uh, for this one, I... I think um, I want us to ask the question, um, where are there places in our lives where we're experiencing the consequences of either foolish or sinful decisions that we've made? And we just need to admit, hey, this is a mess that I've made for myself. It may not be as cataclysmic as a civil war and the death of your child or any of those sorts of things, but there are places where you say, you know what, this thing that I've been like hitting my head against, I gotta admit, I had a part to play in getting me here. So uh, go ahead and ask God to show you those places where you need to say, I'm part of the problem. All right. Let's talk about the A in comma, which is application. And the application uh, may not always be like a specifically concrete thing, but it's a reaction. It's a response. It's not just thinking about it, but uh, responding to what we've talked about. How do you do that?
2: My application is that obedience is better than repentance. Repentance is good. Forgiveness is good. No doubt. But what is better is obedience on the front end because by being obedient and doing what is right on the front end, you avoid all the possible consequences of what may come with your disobedience.
0: Yeah, for me, um, I was to be mindful and to be thankful that even though my sin is deserving of death, God and his love sent his son Jesus to save my life. And because of that, that requires my obedience. It should instill in me this desire um to be obedient to him,
1: I'm thinking specifically about um, looking for the places where my what I, what you might consider private behaviors and sins or 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 you know unhealthy places affect your public responsibility. so that's like that's what David's going through. like he's got his family life that he's messed up. And it has spilled over into a very public way because he's the king. Uh, But even for those of us on a smaller scale, there are times when the thing that like, there's a conflict at home and, and it may not be the sort of thing that like is deliberately about your work or your friendship or whatever, but like it spills over the fact that you are tense because of that, or you you're defensive because of that. I I know of times where I'm like, you know what I've like looked back on things where I've done something at work where I'm like, man, I didn't handle that well. And I, and I realized, I'm like, well, oh, it wasn't really about that situation. It was about this other thing where I, I I feel ashamed or I feel like it things aren't right or I've got to own something and it's over here, but it kind of came out sideways in this other thing. Um, paying attention to those moments and saying, oh, wait, I, I've got to deal with the private life thing because it's affecting the, the, the public response. All
0: right. Well, thanks for listening this week, friends. Join us again next Monday for a new episode. We'll be looking at another passage from the Bible Savvy Reading Schedule. Hey, Nikki. And, yeah. Guess What? What? I found it. What'd you find?
2: Remember earlier when we were talking about what you do with a live elephant and I couldn't find the elephant sound effect in the animal section of the panel? Yes. It's because elephant is located between doorbell and vomit in the sound effects (laughs) panel. Wow. (laughs)
0: That's weird.
2: (laughs) Hey, everybody. We want to know what you would do with a live elephant. Email us at podcast at biblesavvy.com.
0: And in the meantime, if you're not following along with the reading plan, you can check out BibleSavvy.com to download it and start reading along. Also, you can subscribe and leave a review on whatever platform you're listening on. Email us your questions or suggestions at podcast at BibleSavvy.com. Lastly, tell your friends, and we'll talk to you next week. I'm waiting for it. There we go.